This is The Exchange, humanizing commerce through post-purchase connection. All right, here we are, episode one, the inaugural episode of The Exchange, where we're talking about everything brand, retention, customer experience, and above all, creating post-purchase connection in e-commerce. We have some amazing brands lined up for the show, including Nick's, Baseballism, and Savannah. But for episode one, we're going to start with one of the most overlooked pieces of your customer retention and loyalty strategy. But before we jump into that, Tim, I think we should probably tell our listeners a little bit about ourselves and why they should listen to us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Alex. Well, everyone, my name is Tim Buza. I'm the VP of Marketing at Loop Returns. Uh, let's see, I've been in e-com for a while. Don't make me count up the years, but it's been a while. Uh, everything from, uh, I worked in the email marketing space for a long, long time, uh, focusing on you know acquisition, driving traffic, driving sales, and then uh, worked in the customer data platform space for a while too. That's another part of e-com that's absolutely blowing up. Uh, so you know how you unify your data sources, create smoother acquisition, retention, uh, post-purchase, all that. So been in, been in the space for a little, bu- a little while now. Uh, and and been been uh, been uh, running marketing at Loop for about a quarter, a little, little bit more than a quarter. So so uh, been here for a little while. I'm like a, I'm a veteran here at this point. How about you, how about you, Alex? I was just about to say you're selling yourself a bit short there. When, when you said veteran, it uh, it really uh, hit home a bit there. Without going into the number of years, um, I've been in the <laughs> e-commerce space for about six years now. Um, before Loop, um, did some consulting on retention. Also worked with a loyalty program provider in the Shopify space. Um, and even uh, played around with selling my own products on the Shopify platform. I had a brand selling men's grooming products um, from 2015 to 2017. Nice. Uh, but I don't think people are here to listen to us talk about ourselves. They're <laughs> no. here to learn about building post-purchase connections. So we're going to start with a topic that the two of us know extremely well. And I think it's the most overlooked um, customer retention and customer loyalty play you can make. But it's setting up your return policy and your return process the right way. Right. And I'm going to start with a line here that if people only take away one thing from this episode, I want it to be this. Okay, hold on. Before you say it, let's in post, can we put like a drum roll in or something like that? Because that that's a big setup. Okay, so pretend I'm just digitally doing, uh, I'm, I'm doing a drum roll with my hands right now. Go ahead. What is the one All thing right. that people need to take away? A return does not equal a refund. Okay. A return does not equal a refund. It doesn't. I agree with you. Um, so uh, why, why is that? So I think the majority of the industry thinks that return and refund are synonyms. They mean the exact same thing. But here at Loop, we view the return as the container where a lot of different outcomes actually sit within. Mm-hmm. So it's the act of sending a product back to the brand, but it's not necessarily because they just want a refund. Right, right. And all the time when people talk about returns, you said they use it as a synonym. It's It almost becomes like a slip when people are saying, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, well, this is what my refund policy is. This is what my refund policy is. Or that person just wanted a return. They use those two words interchangeably, but obviously they aren't. And and one of the things you just said is like the, the return is like the container. It's like a return is an umbrella and there are other things that live under the umbrella. And, and what are some of the most common things that we see for like what lives under the umbrella of returns? Yeah. So we see it as it can fall into three different types of a return. It could be an exchange, it could be store credit, or it could be a refund. And I think it's really important to think about what the customer's looking for to try to slot where that return would fall. 
So if you have a customer who loves your brand, the timing's perfect, they love the product, but they got it in front of them and it just happens to be the wrong size, the wrong style, or the wrong color, that's where the return they're looking for there is an exchange for the same product. Right. But if they have the right brand, the timing's perfect, and the product they bought, like sometimes I buy a pair of jeans and I really want the slim fit, then I try them on and the slim fit does not look great <laughs> on me. I actually want, I love the brand. I just want to get into a different product. So um, we'd call that a different product exchange. I want to exchange, but not for the same product into something else. And when someone has the right brand, but the wrong time, that's when store credit or a gift card is great. I don't want to think about getting a new product right now, but I do want a new product in the future. I'll take that store credit. And then finally, we view the uh, asking for a refund is basically the customer saying, hey, um, I'm not really interested in the brand. Give me that money back. I want a full refund onto my original form of payment. Mm. So the the outcomes so the intent behind what a shopper wants from your return policy should – it's obviously going to vary. I mean, we've all returned something for one reason or another. And and those four containers or those four sort of um, you know sections within the container should dictate if a customer – likes the brand, for instance, likes the time, the, the timing's perfect, the product's perfect, but it's just the wrong size. It's an exchange to your point. And, and each one of each one of those different scenarios should, you know, should trigger a brand to act a little bit differently or give the customer a different possible outcome. So you're not just automatically severing the relationship with a refund. Exactly. I think like the most important thing to take away from what we just said there is like, don't assume everyone wants their money back. Mm-hmm. And when you use return and refund at like synonymously, then it starts to feel like, oh, this person wants a return. And then your entire team and usually even yourself is thinking, oh, they want their money back. But that's not actually the case because 50% of returns that happen on the Shopify platform are simply because someone has the wrong size. So if you think about that and they just have the wrong size and you're defaulting to, I want to issue a refund, you're missing out on a huge opportunity there. Yeah, totally. And, and I mean, like, you know, if you think about yourself and some recent things that you have bought that you've needed to uh, return, I, in most cases, like, you know, when you were talking about those four different scenarios of whether it should be an exchange, shopping for something new, a gift card or a refund, I think in 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 most cases, like to your point, I mean, north of 50%, people, people just want exchanges. And and, and when you don't offer that as a brand to your shoppers, like your shoppers are just naturally going to get frustrated. I, I know for myself, there was a pair of um, blue light lenses that I bought. I won't, I won't say the name of the brand, but I, I bought from them. And I, I actually really liked them, but when I put them on, um, there was it just they just the shape just looked wrong on my face. So I, I just wanted to go get a different shape. And I had to go through that sort of awkward thing of, well, they don't offer exchanges. They just offer refunds. So now I have to go through this weird sort of, it's confusing. So I'm trying to figure out, do I need to do a refund, buy it again, wait for the other refund to, to wait for that payment to come back to me? How, what, what do I actually need to do as a shopper? And that simple confusion can just lead to a ton of frustration. And honestly, I I, I ended up just doing the refund I didn't buy until I got the refund, which I had to email them and remind them to send me the refund. And I just got frustrated and ended up buying it from someone else because it was just it was just such a pain in the butt to have to deal with what should be a really, really simple part of the process, don't you think? Yeah. And like that customer experience there, it's like if you think about 
you're, you're excited. You order this product, you get it and you're super excited and you realize like in your situation there, like the frames didn't look right for you. That excitement quickly turns to vulnerability, right? It's like, what am I going to do with this? Right. And when a customer's feeling that vulnerability, your job as the brand is to turn that into an opportunity to continue the relationship. Because if you don't, mm -hmm. that vulnerability turns into frustration very, very quickly. And just ask your customer support teams, whoever's listening right now, like about how frustrated someone can become with the return process. Yep. I'm going to go on a little rant here, Alex. You ready for a rant? All right. Quick rant. <laughs> It'll be quick. Having been in the email side of the industry for a long time, and then the customer data platform uh, part of the industry for a long time, I, I think everyone who hears this sentence will agree with me. We are obsessed with making acquisition frictionless. There are so many different tools for it. Uh, there are so many different specialists on it. Um, and all, all we've done as an industry is make acquisition as frictionless as possible but until I got to Loop and realized what Loop was doing to make post-purchase frictionless, it never really dawned on me that no one is spending as much time on making post-purchase and returns and exchanges frictionless. I mean, now other, really, other than Loop, and and I would, I would, that would be like a. It's my rallying cry to the industry is like, why aren't we spending more time on this? There are, to Alex's point earlier of, of if there are 50% of exchange or returns are because someone just wants to make a simple exchange, but, but as a, as an industry, we're not optimizing for that behavior. It's such a huge, it's a missed opportunity. And I, 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 I wonder when the entire industry is really going to start waking up to this. I think a lot of smart brands are. I mean, if you look at a brand like Allbirds, for example, it couldn't be simpler to actually exchange something. Um, and it makes acquisition, it makes, it, it, it makes you want to buy from them because you know post-purchase is going to be simple. And um, it just, it, it makes me crazy when I, when, I, when I buy something and then, you know, you can do it on Amazon and it's as easy as possible. But then I try to go to a brand that I like and they don't do it. And it... I don't know. Is it is it just me, or does that as a shopper doesn't that just drive you crazy? And as a as a marketer and someone in the space, doesn't it doesn't it drive you a little bit crazy too? Oh, it's incredibly frustrating. Like my me, thinking, putting my customer hat on, it's like if I have to jump through a ton of hoops to return something or just get the right product in front of me, I'm going to become extremely frustrated. And to your point on the acquisition side, it's like if we flip this onto the other side, it's like imagine someone needs to buy from you and you make them like go into a step and go through like a waiting period before they actually can make a purchase. Like we would think that is absolutely ridiculous, but on the return side of things, like that's what the majority of brands are doing. It's like, Hey Tim, you want to return something, email this email address and someone will get back to you within 24 hours. Right. Like I said, like you're feeling super vulnerable and now I have to wait 24 hours. Maybe it's a Friday night and that brand doesn't have anyone on the support side of things till Monday morning, and now I'm waiting an entire weekend to figure out what I can do here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great example. You'd never do that on the acquisition side. And there was a point it, it where, like, maybe not quite as pronounced as what you just said, but in the early days of e-commerce, it was really clunky. And then and people realized, you know, mar smart marketers realized, well, we need to make this part of the process smooth. But I, I think the industry is starting to wake up to realize that if you want, it's not just about acquisition anymore. 
it's about retaining customers because there have never been more choices. I mean, your, your shoppers are always one click away from your competition and anything you can do to make sure that they spend their money with you and form a lasting connection with you is money well spent and it's time well spent. And I, I feel like the industry is, is really starting to wake up to that. Um, but, but not fast enough in, in, in my opinion, because we, we know that when refunds happen, um, I think you mentioned a stat of like 50% of returns are because someone has the wrong size. Um, if you, we, we tend to see the refunds signal the end of a relationship and an exchange would be what continues the relationship, but just, you know, not, not enough brands are focusing on that quite yet. Yep. The exchange is what's going to drive LTV. It's going to drive that driver attention and that refund like you like you just said it, it's signaling the end of the relationship if you're asking for your money back and even in your example before where you actually wanted to exchange but you got the money back it's okay now i need to go through that entire process again i don't like i don't want to do that i'm going to take that money that was refunded and go somewhere else and the industry is waking up to it and we need to be thinking about how do you turn that process into a retention and a loyalty driver rather than just like, how do I get money back to my customers? And that's why at Loop, our biggest thing is that you want to be turning refunds into exchanges. Mm -hmm. And again, a return is not a refund. You want to be reducing refunds and driving a different type of return, which is that exchange. And Tim, I know you've been on like a dozen customer calls over the last couple of weeks. And what are you seeing some of those brands do to switch those refunds that are happening over to exchanges? Mm. There's a handful of things that I found like the common thread between brands who are creating a great returns experience. Uh, I see some version of these few things uh, in every single one of those uh, scenarios. So number one, they're creating on-demand experiences. So by that, I mean, they let the customer and the shopper start their return on their own time. They don't have to interact with someone and they are the they, they are in the driver's seat. So um, they can enter their order number and then go through sort of a self-service, um, a self-service experience to either uh, get a gift card or do an exchange or actually keep shopping. So they can do the whole thing themselves. So an on-demand experience is, is number one. I've seen just a lot of different versions of that. Um, number two is they don't force a refund and then ask them to repurchase. So this kind of goes part and parcel with the, the on-demand experience. So they are allowing, they are allowing the shopper to determine um, what path they go down. So at the beginning, when you talked about, there are like four different paths of a return. All four of those paths are available to the shopper in real time. Um, another thing that I've, I've noticed that I, um, you know, I, I've noticed some brands doing this, but now that I'm looking at it sort of from like a, from bird's eye view and looking at a lot of different brands at the same time and analyzing what their policies are, something I've found is really, really interesting is the best brands are paying return shipping only for exchanges. So we've we've seen some brands um, who will force, uh, or, I'm sorry, who will pay for shipping for refunds and exchanges alike. But when you really think about a refund tends to signal the end of a customer relationship, that's a scenario where we're seeing some smart brands just they they if if that's the case they accept it and if someone wants to uh, to refund and ship their product back they ask the shopper to pay for that whereas and the flip side of that is if you as a shopper say I will actually do an exchange 
great. We'll incentivize you to do that, and we will pay for your shipping. We've seen some. We've seen some really, really uh, big um, gaps or big jumps in uh, conversion rates and lifetime customer value for brands who offer to pay return shipping for exchanges. Yeah, that's really interesting too. With like the incentivizing it right? is like, hey, like you have the option to take the refund and you have the option to take the exchange, but by offering to pay the return shipping only on the exchange, like that, that's creating a really powerful incentive there. It is. It is. I mean, it's, it, you know, we know how shipping has a massive impact on conversion rates at the top of the funnel. There's no reason to think that it shouldn't be exactly the same anywhere else in the funnel. Um, people don't want to pay shipping costs. So um, if you can use it as an incentive, uh, you can drive some some pretty good behaviors. Um, and then the last thing um, that I've noticed, and Alex, I know you've written about this and you have some pretty strong feelings here, is that I'm noticing that some of our some of our smarter brands are offering a more generous return window than the typical 30 days. Um, it's 30 days, I feel like, is sort of like that's the standard, whether it's right or wrong. I'm sure you have an opinion, Alex, but I've, I've noticed that uh, there's some of the smarter brands uh, are, are, are offering uh, different options other than just the 30 days. Yeah, don't don't get me started on the 30-day return window. I, I, I have so many opinions on this. And for those listening, we'll probably put together an episode completely on the fallacy of the 30-day yeah. return window. But yeah, I agree. You're seeing a lot of really customer-centric brands start to offer these more generous return windows. Like I've, I've seen a couple brands I've been shopping with lately with one-year return windows. And I know there's brands out there that even offer, like, you can return this mm-hmm. whenever you want. I was just, just going to ask you more and more questions on this, but we should do a full episode on it. But suffice it to say, your your return policy, I think I read somewhere, it's the it's the number two most it, number two most impactful thing that can impact if someone actually buys or not from you. So playing with that thirty day window, we've seen some brands who have had some uh, some some pretty pretty decent levels of success by changing that. Yeah, to, I think the stats: two thirds of people who are making a purchase from your site are going to check your return policy before they make that purchase. And one of the biggest things that they're looking for there is, I mean, there's probably two things they're looking at. They're looking at how long do I have to return this? So what is the length of that return window? And then what is the policy on paying for the return shipping? Am I responsible for that? Or is the brand going to take that? Right. Well, this has been really good. I mean, I feel like we've, we've covered a lot of ground on returns not equaling exchanges. Um, what, what have we covered today, Alex? Let's give, give everyone a rundown. This is the TLDR of the episode. TLDR of today's episode. There are multiple types of returns and they each impact your business in a different way. So you have that variant exchange, you have an exchange for a different product, and you have store credit. All of those are you're able to continue a customer relationship and drive future value. And then finally, you have that refund, which is often signaling the end of the relationship with the customer. And you should be looking for ways that you can drive refunds down and exchanges up. Some of the best ways that you can do that is to create that on-demand experience, let people um, return something on their own time and not wait for a customer service rep or someone to get back in touch with them. Offering that incentive to pay for return shipping on an exchange and not on a refund, offering a generous return window that goes above and beyond that 30 days. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, re- return process and policy are just 
I mean, we think it's the biggest piece of the post-purchase connection that you can build with your customers. Um, we would implore everyone to be focusing on it. Um, just because you've done it a certain way for a long time does not mean that there isn't a better way to do it. Um, and, and think about it because I, I think as the world has sort of woken up and over the last year or so, or maybe over the over this past year, 2020, and people have started to come online more, you have more first-time uh, shoppers who have never shopped uh, through an e-commerce experience before. They are expecting a, a perfectly seamless experience, um, not just in how you acquire these customers, but how you how you keep them and and how you focus on post-purchase. And that's really, you know, as Alex and I were sitting down trying to think about topics to be talking about on the podcast, um, that's what the exchange is going to be focusing on is we're going to be coming to you with weekly episodes that you can use to bolster your post-purchase experience. Uh, everything from post-purchase to returns to your brand to re- bringing bringing brands and merchants on here who do these things really, really well. So, you know, like Alex mentioned, uh, we have a couple great brands lined up uh, that you can go listen to those episodes now. And uh, we have a laundry list of other great episodes coming uh, right on the heels of those. Um, so make sure that you subscribe uh, and, and um, you know, let us know what you thought about this episode. Uh, you can you can hit us up on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or leave us a review. And uh, we're really, really excited to be bringing this content to you every week. Uh, so thanks, everyone. And thanks, Alex. That's been The Exchange, presented by Loop, the returns platform for Shopify. Thanks for listening.